This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business. My name's Dan O'Connell. I'm the co-founder of Brand Lab Fashion. And what I love about fashion technology is the possibilities based on the fact that I think the fashion industry hasn't embraced technology as much as other industries has. And therefore, there's a lot of possibilities and there's a lot of scope of doing business and creating a brighter future for fashion. From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Dan, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Welcome. Welcome from Wales. Great great to speak to you guys. It's a, it's a real pleasure, and thank you for, for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Mark Rako, and with me, or maybe I'm with him, it's Pavan Ball. Hey, Pavan. Hey, you. Uh, let's get started. I would love to lead it off with this quick question, Dan. Uh, you know, reading uh, online on the brandlabfashion.com website, uh, one of the, the things in your description of about the company is, that you lead with is that you had become frustrated with the obstacles of trying to buy from multiple fashion brands with uh, differing distribution methods as well as other things. And my question is, how did being frustrated lead to action? Because, you know, a lot of companies come from the, there's got to be a better way. So I'm going to figure out that way. Or uh, I can't do business properly, or it's a problem solving. But sometimes yeah. it just comes out of just like, I can't stand this anymore. I, I just can't live like this. I got to do it. And that there's always an interesting flashpoint at which that turns into actual action and development. Can you tell yeah. us about that moment and how you reflect on it now? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, it was my co-founder, Jen, who was a, a retailer, a fashion buyer. Jennifer Drury. Um, at Jennifer Drury, yeah. And, and Jen had the perspective coming from the buyer or the retailer side. And I had the perspective because I was a brand owner. So we both had frustrations from both unique perspectives. And I think... When you have frustrations in the way that uh, business is conducted, that it slows you down, that it prevents you from progressing in a number of ways, and you start formulating in your mind how or, or, or you imagine how these problems could be alleviated, I think that's when the, the eureka moments come. You know, that, that's when the ideas, you know, the foundations, the embryos of ideas come. And, and for us, I think it was it was quite a natural progression because Jen was frustrated, as you mentioned, Mark, with the inefficiencies of fashion buying, how if you wanted to buy 25 brands for your stores, then there's probably 25 different ways of buying and 25 sets of paperwork and, and, and different models. And, and for me as a brand on the brand side, I more looked at it in two ways. Number one, the costs of trade shows, exhibitions, pop-ups, showrooms was extortionate. Uh, there was very little return on investment, especially in the space we worked in. But I think more importantly, I, I couldn't believe, I came from an investment banking background when everything was highly automated. And I couldn't believe how manual order processing was. 
So we started to put those three components together and thought, how can we create a platform or a conduit to allow in fashion brands and retailers and fashion buyers to do business in a much more efficient way using technology? Got it. Uh, maybe uh, this is a great moment to unpack exactly what it is that you guys do, and then we can kind of go forward from there. I'm stealing your question, Pavan. <laughs> uh, that's the way we do this i jump ahead and then Pubbin, Pubbin grounds us again where we should be uh so what what is a, a brand uh lab fashion all about well, well effectively we we have a digital platform that allows fashion brands showrooms distributors vendors basically anyone who sells fashion to do business with anyone who buys fashion in the trade and our first platform was a, a, a B2B ordering system um, that's been coded from the ground up uh, that allows the, every part of that process to be taken care of and automated purchase orders, invoices, credits, returns. And, and that was our first product. However, about a year ago, we realized that the problem with B2B ordering systems such as ours and some of our competitors, such as Jaw and New Order, the problem was they lacked something really key, and that was the, the relationship between the salesperson and the fashion buyer and the retailer. And we thought, how can we recreate the showroom experience? So what we did to tag on to our ordering platform, we created um, a world's first. We, we effectively create 360 immersive environments. We, we basically build replicas of existing showrooms using CGI and digital design and all sorts of clever digital techniques. But what we do then is, is key. Number one, we allow those replicas to be transactional. So we, we place product, digital product in the environments, but the, the, it, within those environments, transactions can take place. So for example, products could be linked back to Jaw or New Order if, if, if the, um, if, if the brand are on those platforms or ERP systems and PLM systems or indeed brand labs B2B, our proprietary B2B. So we, so that moves over to B2C, which I'm sure we can talk about later and, and some stuff we're doing for some top retailers. But what we do, which is really key, and we're the only people who have cracked this in the world, we, we've integrated a video chat into our immersive 360 environments, which means you guys could be sales guys for a brand. I could be a, a buyer from Bloomingdale's. And we can together integrate it in video chat into the 360 environment, walk around the showroom together, creating assortments, picking up a product off the shelf, picking up product off the rails, creating assortments. So effectively, we've digitized the sales appointment, which no one's ever done before in a virtual reality environment. To kind of pressy in, in a few sentences, we, we create replicas of real life environments in virtual reality where vendors and retailers can meet face to face. We've managed to do it face to face and they can chat and they can have live sales appointments and they can do business. You know, we, we, we are seeing kind of interesting use cases pop up with AR probably. I mean, it's been a while, of course, where they are kind of coming onto the scene in like 09 or 2010 with like displays and things like that, where you hover your phone. And then, uh, you know, we had a chance, Mark and I were at the big show, I would say, I think it might have been 2016 or 2017. Um, 
Mark, maybe you could pull it up, but uh, do you remember Augment? I remember. Uh, you know, we, we, that was the first time where we saw that large, yeah. you know, furniture retailers uh, particularly were kind of placing items in people's homes, and then you could buy it over there. Um, Jor Access that you mentioned has been around, I think, since uh, the, the last decade, right? So like maybe 2009, yeah. 2010. Um, yeah. It's interesting to see what how you're combining all these things. I'm sure you, you're you're also privy to a New York based startup called Obsess VR. Yeah. Um, that so it seems like what you're doing here is is that you've kind of created this kind of integrated system that includes you know uh, the augmented uh, or obsess VR meets Jor Access essentially. Yeah, that, that's that's fair to say. Jor Access would be a competitor to our our B two B ordering system, our first platform, and effectively their, their websites, their e commerce websites, albeit for B two B. Obsess VR is re- a really nice product. Um, it does, we do combine those two things, but there's some missing ingredients that, that, that Obsessed VR don't do that we do, namely the integrated video chat. It's really important, mm-hmm. guys, because relationships matter in fashion. Yeah, People want to be sold to, buyers want to be sold to, uh, and we've created the conduit to do that. Um, the, the other thing as well is our use of CGI. Obsess and a number of other virtual reality providers use technology which is based on, you, you guys have heard of Matterport, you know this, this mm-hmm. tech of course yeah with with real estate they use it a lot right yeah yeah effectively you're taking 360 images panoramic images stitch them together like street view and google earth and you're you're, yeah. you're walking around the points what, what we've done is we've designed a way of achieving that type of tech but by using cgi and digital design it's very important distinction there because got if it you the, if you use the matterport type tech um and you take real life photos how do you re-merchandise? How do you drop styles from your collection for, to, to do a capsule collection? You have to go and re-photograph. The way we do it with our proprietary software, we're able to instantly re-merchandise a showroom. And it's changing the way the brands are selling all over the world. Because unlike in real life, where they would have to rebuild a showroom and shop fit it and do all those things, we, within 30 minutes, can re-merchandise a showroom with a capsule collection to go to a new market. We can bring product to market within hours virtually rather than weeks or months in real life. So then are you mapping the store completely blank first as like a raw canvas and then you're placing items later in, in, in CGI? Absolutely right. Yeah, we, we actually map it out exactly to the client's requirements. And the beauty of that is, and I'll, show, I'll send you guys some of our demos and some of our renders afterwards. What it does, it enables us to build a replica of a showroom or a store. A, a light, you know, a, literally a replica. But with digital, there are no physical constraints on square footage, on, on how you want to decorate it. You know, we, we, we've just done a showroom based in outer space for a client. They've got a marketing campaign around the galaxy. So we've put their showroom in outer space. So the fashion buyer goes up into outer space to, to do their buy-in because there's no constraints on digital. Um, but yeah, we, we, we map out to a client's requirements. We, we can design it for them. They can actually have one of our off-the-shelf showrooms that we'll kind of uh, brand up and make a bit bespoke for them, or we literally go from scratch. And that includes architectural plans, you know, get getting their actual architectural, um, you know, sizes and, and square footage and things from their real-life architects. And, and building it in CGI. We, we, we've had one of our uh, big clients over here is called Barber, a lovely British brand, international brand called Barber. 
Uh, they do, do business with the likes of Bloomingdale's and Saks and, you know, Harrods. And um, when, when we created their London showroom for them, they were having staff go in there and buyers. And it was a bit emotional, you know, because of COVID, no one was able to go to work for so long. It's like, I'm, I'm in the showroom. I'm in my office. I'm in my place of work. And so we recreate the experience lifelike as much as possible. As an American, there is no greater privilege and responsibility than choosing who will represent you and your family to determine the course of history, your lives, the economy, your health, your safety. On November 3rd, please choose to vote. To vote early or if you need an absentee or mail-in ballot, please visit vote.org. Your future self thanks you. I want to take a step back to the Matterport and and just try to think through maybe um, an objection to uh, what might be more of a fluid experience. Uh, so Matterport, you know, they I think that I'm pretty sure they released somewhat recently. Um, you know, you don't have to use that that hardware, uh, the Matterport camera system anymore. You could use your your iPhone. Yeah. Right. So because of that, um, and again, I, I know Matterport is, is is very prevalent, and of course, in the virtual showing space for for real estate. Um, but you could you could map out um, a location. I mean, within fifteen minutes. So what, as opposed to to CGI, uh, having the morning routine include a mapping of of the store. Is there is there a distinct, I guess, benefit to doing it on CGI? Maybe if and I'm thinking out loud, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's targeting. So you could show different things to different people. Yeah. Cause the, the Matterport stuff, I mean, it's great. It's really cool. But I think in fashion, I don't consider it tech because you're taking real life photographs and you're, you're stitching it together. Um, the, the, the beauty of doing it in digital design is that for example, we could have a, a client ring us and say, you know, that yellow shirt, um, on rail three, it's discontinued. The factory's not making it anymore. We remove it instantly. If you're using Matterport and photographs, you've got to go back in that space and re-photograph it every time that happens. And as you guys know, in wholesale fashion, there's numerous changes to products constantly in a selling cycle. Um, so, so that's the reason. The, the other thing is as well, when you, you when, with Obsess and with Matterport, you, you have these tags which you can click and it opens up a product, it opens up Jaw and you order or Brand Lab or mm-hmm. whatever. The only problem with them is they open them up in a new window or a new tab. Um, our text designs, so it opens up as 80% of the screen within the environment. So it retains that kind of, du- and we have dual controls. So the buyer, the retailer or the consumer can control the screen and take, you know, as well as the, the salesperson controlling the screen. So we've housed it all within one link. Um, and, and the beauty, but I, I go back to the video chat, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about it. Yeah, because it's not like Zoom. It's not like we've combined a Zoom in it because Zoom is static. Yes, you can share your screen to thousands of people, but you're not in an immersive environment walking around that screen, and that's what we've created. So, so if you like, you could say we've combined a bit of Obsessed VR, Jaw, Zoom, Matterport, CGI, digital design, and, num- and a number of other things to give a full suite service for 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 brands and buyers and and latterly now into other yeah. vehicles which we're moving into 
Dan, you're a busy guy. Um, like each each of those features on its own, man. These are huge tech companies. Like you're yeah. t- like you know when you mentioned that it's a you know it's it's video. I'm assuming it, it's attaching to full clienteling. Um, so so are you are you routing the clienteling out to different platforms similar to what you're doing with uh, Jor or other platforms on that side? No, no, that's proprietary tech integrated into our front end platform. So so effectively, we build the showrooms in a kind of uh, in a back office environment. Um, and then we import it into our video chat environment um, once once the showroom's been merchandised and done. So so it's really cool. There's no app. There's nothing to download. It's a link. I can send you guys a link now to your cell phone or your iPad or your PC, and yeah. we'll be live in one of our showrooms doing business. So, yeah. Dan, one more thing to get a little clarity on the product. So if I'm a, um, a showroom rep or a brand rep, um, because you're already building building out the environment, virtually um, in CGI. So I could be at home, but also be, I guess, uh, immersed inside of that environment and walk around the short showroom floor, or do I have to be uh, in the physical uh, location? No, no, you're never in the physical location. Okay, got it. Yeah. Just want to be clear yeah. about that. Uh, okay. You, you can, um, and, and it's a link that you can you can use on your phone or laptop, but also mm-hmm. we, we do have the functionality to, put the you know your iphone into the um you know the google 3d glasses and things like that and you can use it 3d as well um but but when we first the the reason the actual economic reason or the business reason for brand lab was that we considered that trade shows were declining showroom visits were declining sure and sustainability would grow as a movement and rightly so you know there's there's fashion buyers in europe who who are making 40 flights a year you know, just to, to, to buy for their small department, which is not sustainable and it can't go on. So, but but I think this dreadful situation of COVID has probably moved the agenda for that to now rather than two and three years time. Sure. So so we, we did all these things to prevent travel. It, it, you know, it's not to replace showrooms. It's not to replace stores. It's to enhance showrooms. It's to enhance stores. And I think we've, we've been very successful in doing that. But it's sad in a way that it's taken the COVID dreadful situation for for people in our industry to be forced to use this type of tech. It was always a gimmick or gimmick or a nice to have. Then all of a sudden it's like, gosh, I've got to use this now. Yeah. We have to find a solution. But what I've been delighted is at the um, the reaction from from brands. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you guys a quick story. We we've got um, a big client in in Europe. I think they've got 76 internal salespeople. Some of these guys have been selling through showrooms manually for 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. And then we come along and you can see the horror on their faces on Zoom yeah. when the bosses was telling them, this is how you've got to do your business. Yeah. But you know what? When they got their clients in the showroom and they're wowed and blown away, these guys are saying this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm not, And even post-COVID, I'm going to use it more because I can maybe be able to do 30 appointments a week if I'm lucky. In, in the manual world, but this way I can do much more appointments. And indeed, they don't have to be live in the showroom. You could just send a link to your retailer and say, right, in your own time, have a, have a longer look. And that's really important, guys, because fashion buyers, as you know, are time short and they're under pressure. Sometimes they're looking at 600 products to create a 20-piece assortment in an hour. This way, they go back to the office, they take their time, they, they use the filtering tools and they create a better assortment and sales are uplifted so so this is the future and and, and go into the buyers you know i i told that story about the the sales guys you know just 
clinging on to the old way of doing things. For us, it's really weird because it's more important that our customers, customers like our product than our customers themselves because it's all about the retailer and the end user. Plus, you don't have to wear pants while you're doing it. <laughs> you know, the most important thing, really. But all, all kidding aside, you know, the more I hear, hear about this, Dan, the more I hear about this, the more I keep thinking a lot of times when there's innovation like this or problem solving like this, not only does it, you know, create a stopgap where, where, okay, this problem has been addressed. You, you mm-hmm. can now do this in a different way, but it begins to open up new opportunities. And sometimes as you were hinting at, um, you know, even, even um, uh, creates unexpected ways in which business can be expanded or, or, or rethought. And, and, and uh, you solve one problem and you inadvertently have solved two other problems. You almost didn't realize you had, and, and some things come to mind immediately. And I'm wondering how you're thinking about if at all these is, possibilities of the ways this can be used and right off the top of my head whether these are good or uh, ideas or not is one being able to um test you 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 were thinking about uh reinventing the look or dynamics or layout of your showroom and you could test it virtually to see how it succeeds before you actually physically build anything yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of even franchises, for example, you know, you, you, you have franchises that have different kind of layouts and, and decor, d- decor, depending on the, the area of the country they may be in and what appeals to that particular region. Uh, and yeah. you can create different environments depending on where people are sourcing from that may more appeal to them, especially if people have kind of gotten used to that while keeping with the brand, the basic brand premise. You could, you could have uh, changeable uh ad placements in certain time, you know, because if you have like, if this goes beyond say fashion and you're starting to look at, you know, automotive stores, let's say, you know, you could have uh branding uh, from, from your products uh, that gets bought on the, the digital walls. I mean, the, you, you can uh, test uh, you can customize um, an individual uh, environment in, just absolutely unlimited ways, and I could go on and on. And Mark, on. Mark you're, you, you, the the, so the, glee, the glee on your face is like the first time I stepped into like the Dylan's candy shop when I was twelve years old. I love that this just <laughs> offer. Just just uh, every time you turn, there's another door you can open with this. So I guess this leads to. I'm sorry, but this does this leads to a question similar to what Pavin just said. How are you guys, your team, thinking of this almost as like a kid in a candy store, where yeah. you're you're? How are you almost stopping yourself from developing all of these and pursuing all of these now? and laying out where there can be the next generation of this and next generation of this. How are you even holding customers back from thinking about these things right now, walk before you run and all that? Well, it's, it's really interesting all parts of that question really, because one thing about your clients is they're the best product developers in the world because they will, they will ask you, well, can I do this? This is great, but can I do that? And all of a sudden your, your product development team are kind of just filled with free free ideas from from your customers and 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 they're the best people to tell you what to do next i think one there's lots of verticals that we can go into within fashion and outside we've been we've just done a deal with our first art gallery in australia 
Yeah, it makes sense because, again, art is another thing that needs to be sold. You need to have the person there selling to the buyer, telling them the story of the art, etc. Within fashion, you mentioned, you know, almost testing stuff before you go to market. Well, that's true on the showroom, but it's also true on products. Digital design, 3D digital design on products using CGI is getting better and better and is something we're developing heavily. Um, it, it's it's a really cool way of getting products to market without ever making a single product. You know, when when you when you're in development of a product or a garment, there's so many going back and forth between a designer and a garment technologist and a pattern maker and a sewer and a, a sample maker. With digital, you know, if if you want to move your shoulder pad quarter of an inch up to the left, you do it within one minute. In real life, that takes some time. There's companies out there like Perry Alice out of Miami. Uh, I think they're committed to getting rid of physical samples within 18 months or something, and it makes complete sense. So you, you imagine the future where, you know, you can sell products with digital renders, 3D renders, lifelike renders. You've never made them, and you're testing the market wholesale before ever making a product. So so I think, I, I, I think like you say, it's 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 – very tempting to go off in lots of different directions because there's so many opportunities. I think what we want to do, we, we truly believe, and I hope it doesn't sound arrogant because it's not mean to, but we, we believe we've got the best product in, in the fashion industry in wholesale um, by a long way, we think. <laughs> but what we want to do is make it better and we, we, we want to make a difference for our clients. And I think our plan is to continue doing that because we've got some really key product development stuff going on um, as we speak, you know, so as, for example, um, we, we've got the video chat I mentioned. Um, we're expanding that. So at the moment, the video chat is kind of two circles in both corners. Well, I say two circles. Up to 10 people can be in any environment at any one time before there's bandwidth issues. But um, we're developing it. So if someone's in an actual showroom, so say I've got a showroom in Paris, but I'm speaking to my client in Italy because they can't travel, I'm able, and we're releasing this shortly, I'm able to open up the video so it shows my full showroom in case I do want to have a model in the showroom like the real world and, and, and show it walking up and down on a garment. The other thing we're doing is we're one week away from launching our assortment builder. And this is amazing. Um, so at the moment, you're going around the racks, you're going around the garments. We'll soon be allowing the buyer to um, merchandise an empty rail. They can go through the 600, they can merchandise an empty rail within our environments by dragging and dropping. Mm. And then we're working on creating virtual department store environments so that the, the handbag buyer for Saks can then port that selection to the shop floor of Saks so they can visualize what that selection will look like on the shop floor. And that's coming within a couple of months. So we're, we're focusing on product developing our existing capabilities. But I think what's exciting is our move into B2C. Um, which which is coming next. We're actually talking to a very large retailer in Europe, which I can't name, very famous retailer, about recreating their store. So when you go online to do e-com shopping, rather than, you know, shop the look, shop the collection, it could be go shopping in the virtual store, which is cool. But don't forget the video chat. That enables you to have a face-to-face -face chat with a shop assistant. It enables personal shopping. But even more exciting for me, it enables you to invite your friends to go shopping with you in the virtual store. We've got that capability now, and we hope to announce something in the next month. And it'll be the world's first truly virtual reality store 
that people can go shopping together with face to face. You know, Dan, uh, I want to take it back to a comment you had made, um, which uh, I think a lot of folks on the brand side will um, probably resonated with quite a bit, which was the extortionist pricing of trade shows. Uh, Yeah. You know, the, the first time anyone's experienced, uh, you know, exhibiting and then they say, oh, you want an extra outlet? That's going to be another $10,000 to use that power, yeah. right? So that that's one of those oh shit moments where you realize how much um, is baked into these costs uh, that, or it gets, you know, these costs get inflated so quickly. Again, it's it's very early in terms of how trade shows have to adapt, um, but you've a lot of product shows already go digitally, right? And so over yeah. here in New York, Jor had uh, collaborated with Liberty Shows. And then uh, we also uh, saw that Shop On, or it used to be called Shop Object, I believe, um, yeah. went all digital as well. And I'll say that from the brand's perspective, the the experience was, I think, le- less than um, uh you know, uh, thrilling uh, is is yeah. probably the nicer way to say it. I actually attended the um, the Liberty one, and you know, it was more so just a, a bunch of pictures in the collection, and then you could shop it, right? You could put it in your cart, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, where do you where do you see uh, where do you see I guess as uh, things reemerge back to uh, you know a new way or a new kind of path forward for trade shows? Where do you see your solution fitting in? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The problem with that partnership is ultimately. It's not a virtual reality environment. Yeah. It's a static website that people are invited to go on to view collections. There's no nothing really immersive about it. Now, um, hot off the press, guys, and again, I'll send you some mm-hmm. some rent after the call. We we're dealing with um, I better not say the name actually, but it's it's an obvious one. It's one of the largest, I think, the largest exhibition company in the United States. They don't mm-hmm. just do fashion; they do golf shows and and, and many others. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're actually in advanced negotiations. We've just mocked up a demo for them where we've recreated part of the golf show. So, that, so, so how we would do it, and we've got the tech to do it now, we literally would mock up the whole show. Someone has a booth. They choose what type of booth they want. They choose the size. They choose the branding. And a shop fitter comes along and they build it. Well, we will do that with CGI and digital design. We'll create the whole environment. And then... Each vendor will have their own area, obviously, their their area of the show. Um, And they can chat face-to-face to to people visiting the exhibition. Now, how we get around that challenge, because obviously you you can't have millions of people walking around our virtual environment, um, it's a matchmaking service where basically appointments are made. So millions of people can walk around the environment without video chat because it's a web link and we can all go around and look. So you can walk around the show. But then if you're interested in a particular product or you're interested in engaging, you will then attempt to uh, have a video chat with the the vendor or the rep. So, so yeah, we're actually doing that now with this large company. And we're also in uh, talks with one of the big companies in Europe who do most of the fashion trade. You know, also adding, if you're not already thinking about it, but adding some sort of queuing uh, system to that would be extremely important because as your reps get tied up in the real life, also a lot of the buyers kind of just sit there twiddling their thumbs, waiting to talk to somebody. Um, You're going to experience that on digital as well. uh, When, you know, some of these brands that are more inundated with requests are are all busy on, on their video chats. So that's really super interesting. Sorry, just to, to add on that, it actually improves the experience because you won't have the queue. Yeah, because, don't have because, to wait. 
because unlike the real life where in your 10 square meter booth, you can only get so many people in there. Yeah, I want to go to your booth and uh, digitally and I want to say, okay, you know what? What's the next available five or 10 minute slot? I'll click on it and I'll go go check out other brands. In the meantime, book my other 10 minute slot. Yeah. If it also has my own calendar that's attached to that show or that conference, uh, just like most conferences have like, you know, a digital way of keeping your calendar for the content. Uh, similarly, that'd be really, really powerful. Where do you, you know, yeah. I do see that, listen, you know, you're seeing it across the event space, events that have been happening globally have all gone digital, or a lot of them have gone digital, they're experiencing a lot of benefits to digital that uh, physical can't actually replicate. Uh, but Again, I think that nothing does replace physical. So as those physical events start to reemerge into their older formats, they're always going to be enabled by digital. And I see that the same in the trade show environments. Why can't a buyer from why does a, a buyer from Paris have to be in New York to to shop the these shows? Um, so really interesting stuff, man. Yeah, you know the other thing too, the ability to say I'm going to buy if there is a physical show, I'm going to buy this much physical space on the floor. But you can also see our expanded exhibit that's digital where yeah. you can see the full range of products that we offer. And uh, and you that's know, right. That, that could really change the dynamics. It sure. can also make make certain uh, companies that young companies that may not have the budget to really be able to have actual physical floor space in a, in a big exhibit and all of the things that go into bringing a crew there yeah. and everything like that. And I the mean, ability, it, it crosses international not, lines. It's powerful. Listen, Mark, not just that. Think about the, the conundrum every year with NRF uh, leaking into CES or any other yeah. two show, uh, you know, South by Southwest also overlapping with shop talk in our world. Yeah. And like, you want to be at multiple places at one time yeah. uh, and you just can't. So now I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're accelerating into future, as a silver lining of, you know, our restrictions uh, due to COVID that we'll be able to uh, really utilize our, our folks, platforms and brands and, and trade shows are all utilizing technology that'll let us get us there. All right. So uh, we are going to leave behind uh, the, uh, <laughs> the business and the digital and the, and, and the showrooms and all that stuff for just a moment with a lightning round of off the grid questions right after this. So check this out. For more than 15 years and more than 160,000 customers, the number one SMS marketing software, industry leader Easy Texting, has set the standard for business texting platforms. So it's a cloud-based self-service SaaS platform, and it's a top 20 best product for marketers, and it allows businesses of all sizes to reach and engage their mobile audiences. They've sent 5 billion messages to their customers, yes, but what can really move the needle for you is this. Texting delivers 600% more engagement than email. Now, what could you do with 600% more engagement? Look, 90% of people read new messages within 30 minutes, right? And text messages 134% more likely to be read than emails. So when an online boutique wanted to send their existing customers coupons and information about upcoming sales, they wanted an easy-to-use text marketing platform, and they used easy texting. 89% of customers prefer messaging to communicate with businesses. 77% of consumers 
have a more positive impression of companies that taxed. So when a clothing store with a pop-up shop wanted to increase store traffic as well as tell past customers about new arrivals, they used easy texting. In-store traffic increased within just a few hours of their first text. They had positive communications with customers, and they saved time. So you come to fashion as your business for valuable business insights and strategy, right? This one is a game changer. Texting allows you to facilitate scheduling, enable staffing, promote products and services, and notify customers, and the big kahuna provide an excellent customer experience. So, Fashion Is Your Business is going to hook you up. Easy Texting is offering a free trial to listeners of the Fashion Is Your Business podcast. Just text FASHION to 858-585. Again, that's FASHION to 858-585. Message and data rates may apply for this recurring message program. All right, Dan, it is time for some personal questions in the form of... It's time for questions off the grid. Which fashion is your business? Off the grid questions. That's right. Uh, we ask questions that are more personal in nature, frankly, a little off the grid. And we uh, never really know the order we're going to start. For some reason, I don't entirely understand. Uh, we spin a giant prize wheel, the Wheel of Grid Destiny. It will determine the order we ask the questions. I'm going to give it a big spin right now. And the first question, as we get to know you as a human, is Pumman. All right, all right. Uh, Dan, a lot of your work is um, is kind of allowing people to be somewhere where they they aren't. And I'm curious, like when I was younger growing up, I would always, and I could imagine for a lot of folks, I could always, uh, I remember imagining the use of a teleport, you know, like being able to teleport somewhere. And I had vivid memories of wanting to teleport to specific places. So I'm wondering if you could search back and think to childhood Dan, um, and you would think of the three places, the top three places that Dan would have wanted to or thought about teleporting to, where would those be? What a great question. Oh, wow. What a good question. <laughs> but a good question. Um Okay, so so am I sorry, just to confirm, guys, am I answering this as kind of when I was a kid, what I thought about or what I'm thinking of now? Uh, you know, as, if you could remember uh, from your childhood of thinking about teleporting places, what were those? I think I'd be more of a, like a, getting a lens to who you who you were, what your dreams were type of thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, what, what a good question. Well, actually, guys, um, believe it or not, um, in, in kind of small town Wales, in a place called Newport where I grew up, I didn't actually um, leave Wales until I was, think, was 15. And that was only over to England, which is like, you know, less than an hour away when I went to London. And I didn't actually go abroad till I think I was, uh, I was, I was 17. Um, so I grew up in a, in a very uh, industrial uh, town, um, a tough town. So <laughs> really being teleported anywhere was, uh, was nice to think about, but um <laughs> Yeah, it really was. But um, I, I've always, uh, I've always been a big sports fan. 
and and my 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 late father was an actually a really big American football fan, um, and and he used to uh, we used to watch it because there was one show on on one channel. Uh, this was in the days when you had, I think we only had three or four channels, um, and there was a an American football show every Sunday which we used to watch religiously. And for some reason, my dad chose the Pitts, Pittsburgh Steelers as our team. Uh-huh. The, and and uh, I, I, it wasn't a very fashionable team at the time because, you know, everything was like the Miami Dolphins and everything. But, um, but yeah, I, I used to try and kind of imagine, you know, I'd love to have been teleported to one of the great, you know, the great venues in America and the Pittsburgh Steelers were, were, our, um, were our team. So, yeah, I, I, that's, that's something I always wanted to do. And, and it's funny because I've traveled to the States extensively, you know, for, for work, you know, just eight, ten times a year but um it's still on my bucket list to go and go and catch a game um up there very cool very cool i love that answer the steel curtain gotta love them it, it, it's it yeah yeah uh, all, right. all the other kids were in um you know miami dolphins and san yep. francisco 49ers but we were we were the steelers <laughs> i didn't see that answer coming to be honest with you that's, that's great all right uh another spin of the wheel and uh, this may shock you, but it comes to me. Uh, my, my question is, I've never been to Wales. If I were to come to Wales and I was your guest and you were trying to make an impression, because, you know, it's me. Uh, <laughs> where would you absolutely have to take me, number one, yeah. uh, that would make an impression? And the second thing is, is uh, what restaurant would you have to make sure, or pub, because it's fine, would would you absolutely make sure that I had time for while I was there as you show it off and, and the thing that, you, that anyone's got to order? Okay. Okay. That's a good question. Well, first of all, contrary to what people from England say, Wales is a very friendly country for outsiders. Um <laughs> And the Welsh and the English notoriously hate each other. Well, the Welsh the Welsh hate the kind of, you know, the bigger brothers in England. But uh-huh. Wales is very friendly. If you came here, and, and it goes back to the sporting theme, I'd have to take you to the Millennium Stadium to watch the, the national sport, which is oh. rugby. It's, it's more of a religion. And and um, I, I've had guests who I've taken to the rugby, as we call it, who say that, it's almost like a cathedral and a kind of religious experience to see wow. all these crazy fans. But the, the beauty of the Millennium Stadium is, because Wales is so small, the stadium, you know, it's 80,000 people and all that, and it's all modern, but it's the only stadium in Europe, at least, that literally is in the middle of the city centre. So you, you, you come out of the stadium and all the pubs, the shops, the high street, everything is within 30 seconds. So I would definitely take you there, um, to, to experience that. Um, just as an aside, I'd also take you to the Brand Lab offices so you could see, you know, the greatest <laughs> tech and the future of fashion. But, you know... <laughs> nice little plug. I like that. That's a plug. Um, <laughs> but, oh, God. I'd, um, I, I, <laughs> I'd probably take you to the... I'd probably take you to a selection of pubs in, in my hometown of Newport. Um, and, and night out in Newport is is an experience, to say the least. It's a bit wild, probably a bit like the Wild West. But 
in amongst uh, all the chaos, there's some, you know, lovely traditional pubs and, and, and restaurants. Um, if I had to choose one, let me have a think. That's a really good question because I'm a, I'm a massive foodie, but I'm ashamed to say that I go to London all the time for the, uh, for, for all the cuisine, but um, let me think. Oh, I know. I would take you to a, pl- a restaurant called The Red Fork, which is an Indian restaurant in uh, just outside Newport. Um, and it's it's one of these Indian restaurants that kind of have a bit of a, a classic French take um, on it. So it's, it's kind of fine dining Indian, and it's probably one of the best Indian restaurants uh, for, for miles and miles around. There's always an, a, an incredibly brilliant welcome in there. And also, my friend Faisal owns it, so he also gives me a massive discount. Oh, well, that, oh, man. that, that sounds right like my there. spot. Yeah, it's perfect. Exactly. I do love the fact that I ask a, a guy, when I come to Wales, where are you going to take me? And it was an Indian restaurant. With well, a restaurant. I mean, if anyone goes to London, they're definitely going to Dishoom. So <laughs> I get it. That's right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. There's, right. there's a massive concentration of Indian restaurants in, in Wales and a, oh, a wow. really irrelevant fact. Makes um, sense. None of the Indian restaurants in Britain are owned by Indians. They're all owned by Bangladeshis. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a useless fact for you guys there, but that's actually true. Every single Indian restaurant in the UK is run, is run by people from Bangladesh. No, wow. not useless. I, I appreciate that one. That'll come up in coffee convo for me for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. for free. That's for free. You guys can use that when you want. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, if you're on Venmo and you accept tips, I'll go ahead and do that. Just... <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you never know. I'll be in Wales with someone that happens to not be a fan of the Bangladesh and they need Indian food. And I'm just going to have to keep that in mind and, careful of that now that i have that fact that could save my life all right sir how can people connect with you and the things that you're doing if they need to reach out okay so um i don't do um a lot of personal social media but our um our handle on facebook and instagram and twitter and all those things is at brand lab fashion um my email is dan at brandlabfashion.com. um love to you know love to hear from anyone really and not just, you know, not, not just necessary for business, but any kind of, you know, students or, or, or anyone interested in what we do. And I did a talk for the, um, the guys at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York and their students there a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed it and made some good connections for the future. So, yeah, anyone can contact wow. me at uh, dan at brandlabfashion.com or, or, or the team at hello at brandlabfashion.com. All right, Dan O'Connell with Brand Lab Fashion. What an amazing thing you guys have built. There's so much potential in it. And, uh, you know, like we said, the doors, you just opened an unlimited number of doors. And that's always a great mark of something with a lot of promise. So we can't wait to keep keep watching as you guys uh, grow and make a larger and larger footprint. So congrats. Thanks, guys. And thanks for inviting me on. And uh, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. You betcha. All right. Stay safe and well. Uh, and and uh, all of you listening, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You know how much it means. Thanks for staying with us all the way to the end of this uh, episode. How else would you have known the, the factoid about the Bangladesh and Indian restaurants? We, you, that was your, right there. Big reward. Uh, we will see you next week for another great episode. Until then, uh, stay well, stay safe. For Pub and Ball. Shake it easy, Mark. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. 
This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.